0: About 35 years ago, I got obsessed with the simple question. What makes the difference in the quality of people's lives? What makes some people leaders and other people followers? Which makes most people talk about a dream and never follow through, and other people, just a small percentage, kick ass, take names, you can throw any obstacle at them, they find a way to break through. What's the difference? And when I first grew up, I grew up very poor financially. I grew up in a very tough environment. When I met my fourth father, I said, mom, I'm confused. I was confused because I always loved people, love people, just my nature. But when I was in high school, I was not the most popular kid in school. In fact, the most popular kid in school treated me like hell. He was so vicious and mean. I thought, what, what makes that guy popular? So it made me obsessed to want to know why people's lives turn out so differently. And my first answer growing up poor with no great role models was, well, some people are just lucky. They grew up in a family where everybody loves each other and they stay together. You know, some people are lucky. They grew up in a family and everybody's educated. And so they work hard to educate their kids. Or some people are lucky. They grew up in a family with lots of money. So they have resources to travel and learn and expand and do whatever they want. And as much as I wanted to believe that story, that some people are just lucky that they had a better family. When you pay attention and you're even slightly honest with yourself, that story doesn't hold up, does it? Because when you look around, what happens to people that were truly given everything and they don't have to work for it? What happens to the person who's born and they got total love and support from their family? They have total financial abundance, they don't have to worry about it whatsoever. They got all the great education. What happens to the majority of those? Not all, but the majority of those people don't build any muscle. They're not hungry because everything was given to them, so they don't have any hunger that could give them drive. Which if you ask me, Tony, what's the single most important key to success above anything else? It's not talent. It's not skill. It's hunger. If you get enough hunger going in you for an answer, you'll find the answer. If you get a hunger enough inside of you that says, I got to take things to a next level, I got to achieve, I got to make a difference, I got to expand, you will find the answer. People's intelligence will expand if they got enough hunger. But if you got everything and you're not hungry, you're not going to have much. Look at the pathetic people you read about in the rag newspapers who were given everything. And as a result, what do you find out? The majority of people that are given everything, you find them living in rehab. They've been getting everything else and they're going in and out of rehab for drugs or alcohol or something else. And then you find these people that life seems to have stepped on. You know the kind of people I'm talking about? Life has kicked them in the face. They've experienced tremendous injustice. Nothing has been fair to them. They've been abused mentally, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, whatever. And very often, those are the very people that most of us are inspired by who achieve levels that most people never dream about and who touch society. For example, what would you guess would be the future for a child if I describe their background? Because most people think biography is destiny. What you've been through determines who you are. And most of us, if we're not succeeding, can tell everybody the stories of why we're in that place. But it's much more fun to tell people where you are today in spite of what happened in your life That's a much more interesting story, isn't it? But if you look around, what if a person's story is this? True story, a person's born, and their father's not there as a baby. Their father left before they got there. Their mother is gonna raise them, and their mother's 13. A child being raised by a child. If that's all I told you, what would you predict the future this child would be good? Real positive, uplifting, expansive, powerful, influential, or concerning? Concerning. What if I said this 13-year-old mother didn't know what to do with this baby, and was overwhelmed, so she gave the baby most of the time to her grandma, who had lots to deal with. And what if I told you, with grandma not noticing, before this child was 13, she was sexually abused more than three times by different people in family and friends. Now, a little baby being abused, the child being abused, what's the future? Doesn't look too bright, does it? What if I told you at 13... When the baby turned 13, this baby became exactly like her mother and became pregnant as well. Followed exactly in her mother's footsteps. What if I told you at 13 when the baby arrived, the baby was stillborn? The baby died at birth. What would that do to an adult mom having a baby, much less a 13-year-old child? What if I told you the kid went a little crazy with her behavior, got so outrageous and out of control, they put her in an institution, but fortunately the institution didn't have enough beds, so they couldn't keep her there more than a few days, and they finally released her to a man who claimed to be her father, who she'd not met. By now I'm sure you figured out whose story this is. Who is it? This is Oprah Winfrey's story. Oprah Winfrey went through all that we just said, plus she was African American at a time in the U.S. when the President of the United States was not African American, and when many people in the U.S. did not judge people by their character, they judged them by their color based on nothing whatsoever. This woman has become one of the most influential people in the world, females on the planet. And that's her story. So the reason is, whatever story you're being told about the economy, whatever story you're being told around you, you have to be so aware not to buy into a limiting story. Either someone else telling you that or you telling yourself that. And I'll tell you something, it's gotten worse as the years gone by, and I think the U.S. has been the leader in it. I'm not attacking my country. It's just, it's interesting what's happened in my country in the last two decades. Some of you may be old enough to remember 20 years ago when things started to change, because America likes to export their stories. So I think many of you, if you're around then, can remember there was a story of two young men who killed their parents in Los Angeles. Their names were the Menendez brothers. Does anybody here remember that story, the Menendez brothers? Keep your hands up so I can see a sense. Yeah, quite a few of you can remember the story. If you didn't know the story, it's about these two young men. They killed their parents, their mother and father at point blank range with a shotgun, murdered them in cold blood. But when they went to a jury trial, the jury couldn't decide. They admitted they did it, they admitted it. But they said, but our parents were abusive. And so the jury literally was deadlocked. It took two jury trials to convict them. Now, all because they were abused. Well, many people are abused, they don't kill their parents with shotguns. Right? See, if you and I are gonna be successful, we're never gonna get it by blaming somebody else, including God. People say, I'm I'm poor because God wanted me poor. I'm fat because God got me fat. No, you're poor and fat cuz you sit on the couch and watch TV and eat Cheetos all day. It's not God's fault. So what I'm suggesting to you is you and I have to come up with a better story, a story that can make things work. So now I want you to tell me the truth on something here. Tell me right now, who here in this room has ever failed to accomplish something that really mattered to you? We all know we failed at some point. The first time I ever asked this question on stage, it was spontaneous. I was at this group called TED, Technology, Entertainment and Design. And I asked everybody in the audience, because they're all multi-billionaires, the guys that started Yahoo, the guys that started Google, this really unique group of people, and they're in this darkness, and they weren't responding. So I said, let me just ask you a question: How many of you have ever failed? No one raised their hand. I said, "Thank you for your full participation." How many have ever failed? They all raised their hand. I said, "Great." When you failed in the past, why did you fail? And this is where you hear people's story. Remember why I'm telling you this? Because I want to tell you right now. You might write down something. Change your story. Change your life. We all have a story about why we are where we are. If you're not where you want to be in your life in some area, like maybe your body's great but your finances aren't, or your finances great but your relationship sucks or doesn't or whatever, the bottom line is you've got a story why it's that way. And the story we tell ourselves protects us from pain. It gives us a reason why it's not our fault or it's gonna be okay in the future. But the story that protects you also imprisons you. It keeps you from changing your life. So in order to create a change in your life, you really truly gotta change your story. You've got to shift your story. You've got to find a story that's going to empower you, a story that's going to strengthen you, a story that will push you beyond anything you've ever done in the past. So the story most people have and that they had at this TED piece was, I said, why have you failed in the past? Didn't have the money. Didn't have enough time. Didn't have the right resources. Didn't know the right people. Didn't have the right contacts. Didn't have the technology. Some people said we had a, we had a lousy leader. The leader said I had lousy people. <laughs> right? Isn't this stuff that people tell you? And then in the darkness, I heard this voice say, I didn't have enough Supreme Court justices. <laughs> and I looked into the dark room down there in the front row, and it's Vice President Al Gore, who lost to George Bush, and the whole crowd, I was in Northern California, and it was a Democratic crowd, so they all stood up and cheered like crazy. And when they're done cheering, I just stood there and I said, that's one way to explain why you didn't become President of the United States. You didn't have enough Supreme Court justices. But I might suggest there might be a different reason, and everybody was like quiet, going, what's he gonna say? And I said, let's look at everybody else first. Those of you who told me you don't have the money, you don't have the time, you don't have the education, you did not have the right people, didn't have the right skills, didn't have the right technology, you didn't have the right Supreme Court justices, or enough of them, I would submit to you, you've all told me the reason you failed is you didn't have the resources. Time is a resource, money is a resource, technology is a resource, knowing the right people is a resource. And I said to the audience, here's my experience working with the most successful people on the face of the planet, athletes, presidents, of the United States, multi-billionaires, here's what I know from them. Resources are never the real problem. A lack of resourcefulness is the real problem. I'll say it again. Lacking the resources is not the problem. Lacking resourcefulness is the real problem. What I mean by that is very simple. The ultimate resource is human emotion. What starts wars? Is it logic? Hell no, it's emotion. What makes you get married or get divorced? It's emotion. What will make you stay up all night, work to build your business? Emotion. What will make you give up? Emotion. If you don't master your emotion, if you don't become resourceful, then you're going to think the problem is resources. Because I'm here to tell you, every great person I know didn't have the resources, but they got them because they're resourceful. And what that means is, if you're creative enough, creativity is an emotional resource, can you find an answer to the problem, yes or no? If you're determined enough, can you find the money that you don't have, can you find it, yes or no? If you care enough and get other people to care with you, can you get them to help you, yes or no? If you are bold enough, if you're strong enough, if you're disciplined enough, can you get yourself to do things other people cannot find a way to do, yes or no? See, the ultimate resource is resourcefulness, and I tell you that, my friends, because I grew up with no resources, but I became very resourceful, and that's why I have the privilege to be with you today. And I said, sir, you, Mr. Vice President, I watched you speak last night, and the previous night he'd spoken to this Who's Who crowd, and he had spoken on The Inconvenient Truth, and it was the first time he did that speech that they made into a movie, and he was so passionate. And you never saw him passionate, but he was passionate. He grabbed everybody. People liked him, people didn't like him. I said, listen, let me tell you something. You said you didn't have enough Supreme Court justices? Here's the truth. I watched the debate with you and Bush. I wanted to vote for you, but I couldn't. There wasn't any energy. There was just ego there. I said, I watched those debates. I said, if the guy that was up here last night was the guy in those debates, you wouldn't need the Supreme Court justices. And the whole crowd went berserk. They started clapping, standing ovation. And he came over and gave me a little high five and said, you're right. And we became good friends out of it. And people came to me afterwards, the guys from Kleiner Perkins, multi-billionaires, they took me to dinner and they go, we've all been thinking that. No one would ever say that. How could you say that publicly? said, because it's the truth. They go, yeah, but no one said it. And guess what? The truth is, I don't care where you are today. I don't care if you're totally broke and getting here was a huge stretch for you. If you can find the hunger inside of you and you can remember, I don't need resources, I need resourcefulness, that'll get me the resources, then anything you dream about you can make real. But the minute you forget that and you come up with a story that goes, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I can't do it, it's too far away, that's what's going to kill you. Change your story, change your life. And we all have a story because we're afraid, all of us, to fail. We're afraid to not look good. We're afraid to be disappointed. We're afraid to get our hopes up. But the only way that you get courage. Courage means you're afraid, but you do it anyway. It's not courage if you're not scared. And so there's gonna be people talking here the next few days or today that are gonna give you some great strategies. Whether you do it or not is not gonna be based on your ability. What you're capable of is amazing. What most people will do is disappointing. It has nothing to do with the content of what needs to be done. It's everything to do with the mastery of your own states. So here's what I believe. My passion is not just get up and talk. My passion is get people to rewire themselves. So how many of you came here not just for information? How many came here for some breakthroughs? A breakthrough means a new quality of life where things that were impossible were possible. Who's with me on this? Say I. So let me give you three keys to a breakthrough. Any one of these three can give you a breakthrough. But if you do all three of these, you're going to have an extraordinary breakthrough. So let's start with something so simplistic that none of us would be emotionally attached to it. And we all know it's true. And that's, let's take a symbol in society. All over the Western world, including Australia, and you guys are a bit better than America, but not by a whole lot. What's happened to societies, Western societies, in terms of their health and fitness? Now, I don't know the current numbers here in Australia, but I'll tell you how bad it is in the US. I know you're slightly better than this. One third of Americans are obese now, one third. Literally 60% of Americans are overweight. Now, I wanna ask you a question. Is that because the strategies required to losing weight are so complex that it's just completely overwhelming? Is that why? Yes or no? No. However, if you have the wrong strategy, you're guaranteed failure, even if you're motivated and driven and excited. Is that fair to say? Like I can remember a few years ago when on the cover of Time magazine was a diet called the Atkins diet. And it said, I don't remember the exact number, I think it was 13% of Americans the largest number ever, were all on this diet. Now, if you knew anybody was on the Atkins diet, of course you'd lose weight. First, the number of calories you took came down. But second of all, you ate such an acidic diet that you literally had to pee on a stick so you wouldn't go into acidosis. And if you ever smelled the breath of someone on that diet, you wanted to stay as far away as you humanly could be. Now, that's not too hard to figure out that if I got a pee of a stick so I don't go in an acidosis and my breath is this bad, this may not be a sustainable approach to losing weight. But everybody did it. So if you have the wrong strategy, it's not going to work. So let me give you three things in reverse order of importance, okay? Reverse order. Least important first. If you want break breakthrough, one of the things I give you a breakthrough is a strategy. A new strategy could change everything. Does that make sense? A new way to do something. If you come up with the right strategy, it could save you a decade. It could save you five years. And one reason to come to a seminar like this, in my opinion, is to gather up as many strategies as you can. And what I want to do in just this short little time I have with you is see if I can give you some strategies that'll give you breakthroughs in whatever you want to go after. Some real quick strategies that really work. What is a strategy? It's a specific way to do something that if you do it that way, you get the result every time. Think about a strategy like a recipe. If you know someone's recipe, and they took 25 years to figure out how to make the perfect chocolate cake, and you're not a baker, but you got their strategy, you got their recipe, how often can you get the same quality of chocolate cake if you follow their recipe, if you follow their strategy? How often will it work? How many times? Every single time. That's the beauty of a strategy. So there's going to be a lot of strategies available to you here during this course. I'd be listening and find the strategies that appeal to you most, but I'd submit something to you, my friends. I'm a strategist, I'm a business and life strategist. I'm always finding the little thing that'll change it all. I'm obsessed by it, and I I filled up my events with them. But I know something about strategies. You can give someone the perfect strategy, and they can still not do it. They can even know it's the right strategy and still not follow through. That's why the problem in our society is not a lack of strategies. If I said to you right now, okay, we gotta lose weight, and we're in downtown Brisbane, and we were to walk 10 blocks, how many places would we pass within 10 blocks that could help you to lose weight, for example, or get fit or get strong? How many? In fact, you don't even have to get up out of this building to learn how to lose weight because today, God forbid, you are going to get up and walk. You could just pull out your iPhone or your iPad or whatever phone you have, and you could download 10 books right now that you'll never read, right, <laughs> on how to do it. Maybe you'll start reading the first one, and then you'll get a little text. Oh, what's the text saying? You won't read the rest of the chapter. How many trainers are there in the Brisbane area that could get you fit and strong? Are there plenty, yes or no? So is it a strategy problem, do you think? No. So don't get me wrong, I believe strategy is invaluable, but strategy without the next two is basically worthless in my experience. You know what to do, but you don't do what you know. But the right strategy versus the wrong strategy is critical, and why don't you make a note of this, really important. You have to do the right thing at the right time. I'll give you an example of my country. Buying a house, right thing to do. In my country, 2007, wrong time. If you bought a house in the United States in 2007, right now you're upside down anywhere from 30 to 70%. 70, in places like Las Vegas, they're down 70%. I have a friend had a $10 million home just sold for three million bucks. That's why my friends, I'm a student of Seasons. That's why you have to understand and become so incredibly bright and aware as to what's really going on. So when someone tells you the strategy, you go, is that really right now? Because they'll show you a strategy that worked. The question is, is it working now? You want someone who's done it and is doing it. People go all the time and they go see someone, let's say, you know, let's say a really nice stockbroker who then tells them what to do with their finances, but you got more money than he does. That ought to be a clue. He's not the person to talk to. People go to psychiatrists all the time that are taking antidepressants for their depression and they wonder why they don't get better. I mean, we're weird this way. I'm telling you, if you're going to get a strategy, you better get somebody who's doing it. Someone's getting results. Now, strategy isn't critically important. Even though I beat up on it, is it still a huge advantage with the right strategy? Yes or no? Yes. So what's the second thing? The second element though that affects whether you're going to use the strategy or not is the story you tell yourself. Does that make sense? Because if your story is, I'm big boned, or I've tried what? I've tried what? Yeah. Everything. If you tried everything, you'd have the answer. Right? But when people say, I've tried everything, what does that do? It makes your brain go, see, I've tried everything. There's no reason to try anymore. It's not my fault. I'm just big boned. I just have low metabolism. Right? It's just, uh, I've always been this way. And by the way, people's stories are often true, but they're not effective. It may be true that you have low metabolism. It may be true that you're big bone, but that's not why you're fat. It's cause you're doing nothing to change your metabolism. Make sense? Or I, I don't have a relationship with a great man, a great woman because all the good ones are gone. Or they're gay and I'm not, or I'm gay and they're not. Something of that nature, <laughs> right? Isn't that a common story people tell themselves? And what does the story do? It kills your hunger, it kills your drive. It gives you a reason not to face the discomfort. We've all lived in a society that has trained us since we're this tall now. Most of you, by the time you're 21, saw two million commercials and had to instantly get out of pain. Instantly out of pain. You know what the problem with getting out of pain is? It takes away the purpose of drive. How many of you know somebody who takes antidepressants right now and they're still depressed? That's because they have the same story. Even though they change their biochemistry, the same story brings them to that lousy place. If your story is, I don't have the resources, that story is going to kill your future. If your story is, I can get any resource I want, if I find a way to add enough what? Value to other people's lives, then you can get the resources. It's so amazing. I I don't know because in Australia you don't have a lot of places to go. I know there's a few. But how many of you in this room ski or snowboard? In skiing or snowboarding, if you take up the sport, and you get on a really vicious hill, what they call a black diamond hill, there's edges where if you don't stop, you go to the edge and you'll die. And what happens is when you're brand new and you're starting to skid out of control, most people slam themselves on the ground and try to hang on to the hill for dear life. And those are the people that will never master skiing or snowboarding because they let their fear of the edge push them down. The person that goes, I'm going to dig in I'm gonna work even harder, I'm gonna carve. It's scary as hell, but I'm gonna stay with it. They learn to carve. Those are the people that have skiing or snowboarding be something they love for the rest of their life. Your story is everything, my friends. And by the way, I'm not lecturing you, I'm sharing with you because I've learned by my own stupidity. That's the only reason I can share this. But you change that story, you'll change your life. Give up the story that limits you. It may even be true, you may have ADD. You may have been abused as a child, it may be true but that story is not why you don't have great relationships or a great business now. You don't have great relationships or a great business now because you're so afraid of trying and failing, you keep telling that story instead of taking action. Third key, the most important key. Because, by the way, if you come to somebody and they go, well, I'm big bone, he goes, that's just your story. They're going, I'll show you a story, I'll beat you to a pulp. We have to do this to ourselves. But if you are going to help someone change, including yourself, you need the third element, the most important element, and that is you need the right State. State or Australians call spite. stite. If you're gonna have the right spite, then what you have to understand is your spite determines how you think and feel, right? How many of you in this room can remember a time when you got really angry at somebody? Do you ever notice when you're really angry at somebody, suddenly you remember everything they've ever done? Because when you go in that angry state, it makes you take the parts of your brain that relate to a story that supports that state. On the opposite, How many of you in this room can remember a time in your life when you fell head over heels in love with someone out of your mind? How many can remember a time like that? Say, I. It's been a long time for some of you. (laughs) Is that all the... Make the sound of head over heels in love. Go ahead, make the sound. Is that short-lived for you? Let's try this. Ever been so head over heels in love, you couldn't stop thinking about the person, you wanted to make love to them every moment, you're just dreaming of them, you felt them wanting you, you wanted them, you're out of your mind. Make that sound. What does that sound like? Go ahead. Much better. Much better. See, in the beginning of a relationship, when you love somebody, what will you do for them when you love somebody? What will you do? Anything. If they say, would you take out the trash, you go, take out the trash. (laughs) Right? But after seven weeks, seven months, or seven years, or 70 years, somewhere in that range... Something clicks different in you, and they go, could you take out the trash? And you go, what do I look like, your janitor? (laughs) And they go, I don't know what it is. We used to have so much passion. Where did it go? I'll give you a clue. Write this down. If you do what you did in the beginning of the relationship, in the end of the relationship, there won't be an end. If you do what you did in the beginning of the relationship, in the end of the relationship, then there won't be an end. How long have you two been together? A year. 20 years from now, there'll be no worries for you two. He's got his arm around her. They're snuggling, they're connected. They're in the middle of seminar learning and they're totally connected. Do what you did in the beginning of the relationship, at the end of the relationship, there won't be an end. It's so simple. That's the difference in state, isn't it? Because when you go in a different state, you come up with a different story about your partner and then you use different strategies that aren't very good. If you're in a great state, great story, Great strategies you tend to maximize. Is this helpful? So tell me which one of the three here do you think is the one that can screw things up the fastest and can mess things up the most? Which one of these three, tell me. Story is the one that will sustain the problem. The one that can change everything the fastest is the state. The strategy is useful, don't get me wrong. I live for them. I, mean, I, I can tell you some strategies in business. I've, I've taken companies, I, I buy them for next to nothing and turn them around make millions of dollars, just using a couple of little strategies. Some of you will come to my Business Mastery program, you'll see. I tell people on day one of my Business Mastery, you come, if today the first day is not worth a minimum of a million dollars to you day one, million dollars minimum, then I'll give you all your money back, plus you get to keep everything you got out of day one. It's only a four-day program. My clients are like, multi-billion dollar companies, we've helped turn around HomeX, the largest home builder, to give you an idea, in Mexico, They credit us in the last two years to $750 million of increases from what I did with them. That's their words, not mine. Or taking a chiropractor who's got three people and doubling his business in six months. I've done that with strategies. Simple business strategies where if you don't know the strategy, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is poverty. Ignorance is pain. And the way I got those strategies is i will willing to fly anywhere, do anything, spend any amount of money, because I knew the value of the strategy. But all that still would've been worthless if I didn't apply it. What got me to apply it was the right story in the right state. If you want to change your story, first thing you're gonna do is change your state. Does this make sense, yes or no? So now, let's take a look at you and what you want. If you and I want to say, why do people's lives turn out differently than other people? We can come up with one word and I can show you where it is, decisions. Write down, decisions, not conditions, determine my destiny. Decisions, not conditions, determine my destiny. If you look at your life and you look back on it over the last 10 or 15 years, I'd be willing to bet there have been some decisions that if you would have made a different decision, your life would be radically different today. Your relationships or your income or your happiness or your body weight Everybody's got a story about how the condition affected them but I can take you two people that went through the same conditions and one person comes back from war and they kill themselves or other people and somebody else comes back and they spend all their life working for peace. I can find two people who were abused as a child. One of them lives totally inside themselves feeling sorry for themselves. The other one becomes somebody who has an incredibly passionate relationship because they're never going to let anybody hurt who they love. Same conditions, different decisions. So when the economy that you're going through right now, it doesn't matter what the season of your economy is. What matters is the decisions you're going to make. And let me give you the three decisions you're making every moment you're alive, including in this moment. And you see if it's true or not. First decision you're making right now in this moment, every moment of your life, is what to focus on. What to focus on totally affects your life. Think about it. Whatever you focus on, you're going to feel even if it's not true. If you're focusing on, oh, my God, you know, the economy's going to go to hell, when you focus on like that, you're going to feel like hell, and your decisions are going to be hang on to what you got. If you're focusing on, everybody's scared to death, this is a perfect time for me to find an ultimate advantage, because during times of maximum pessimism is when you can do the best, if that's your focus, you're going to find a different set of opportunities. Focus equals feeling. Focus equals direction. Focus shapes everything. What's the problem, though? Most of us don't control our focus. We let the world around us do it, don't we? If you're going to turn on the television set, tell me something. What does the news always try to do to get our attention? Tell us what's rosy and beautiful and magnificent? No. Or find something that will jolt us. Which one? Jolt us. In the old days, today the news is in your pocket, right? It comes to you through your Twitter feed. It comes to you by being fed to, you know, for example, by text to my friends or whatever. The news follows us. But to get our attention in a world where everyone's fighting for our attention, they're looking for a story to jolt you. In the old days, before you had news in your pocket, you walked by a newspaper stand, and if it said something like headline at the top said, great weather this weekend, what did you do? Smiled? That's cool. Did you buy the paper? No, I'm not going to buy the paper. Great weather. I know what I need to know. But if the headline says, big storm coming, what happened? Boom, some money when that sucker you pulled out, you need to know more. So the news is so competitive today, 24-7, there's not enough news, they've gotta constantly play this game. So if you don't take control of your focus, the world will do it for you. If you wanna feel good about something, what kind of news, what if there was a movie, and you went to the movie, and here's the beginning of the movie. The main protagonist, the main character, cool. Having a great time, physically healthy, strong, happy, great family, great finances, great everything, that's how it starts, okay? Second part of the movie, still good. Third part of the movie, phenomenal end of the movie everything's cool who's gonna go to that movie (laughs) what are they gonna say that movie's the most boring what movie on the planet so you and i if we don't take control of our own focus we let the environment do it for us because they're always looking to get your attention film at 11 your child could die by drinking the natural water here coming out of this area and when you get to the story it's never quite the story but they use that headline to get you there are headlines in your own life too though aren't there Headlines we use on ourselves. If you want to change your life, change your focus. I'll give you three examples, real quick. Everyone has a pattern of focus. It's not what you focus on in the moment that affects you. It's what you focus on regularly. So for example, do you tend to focus, personally you, on what you can control or what you can't control? Those of you focus on what you can control tend to feel more in charge of life. Those that focus on what you can't control. By the way, is there plenty of stuff we can't control in this world, yes or no? Tons. And if you focus on it, you will be depressed. Depressed people constantly focus on what they can't control. Second, it doesn't matter what drugs you take, if you keep focusing on what you can't control, you're gonna get depressed if we add two more. Here's another pattern. Do you tend to focus on what you have or what's missing in your life? The tendency today is what's missing, and sometimes we make up what's missing. If you focus on what you have, when you're focused on what you're grateful for, how does your life feel? When you start thinking, oh my God, look at how I'm living. I mean, the worst Australian person who's having the worst, toughest time is having a better time than 90%, I should say, more like 80% of the planet. Because about 80% of the planet lives on $2 a day. Most of us, our worst nightmare is somebody else in the world's greatest dream. But if we don't focus on what we have, we focus on what we're missing, you're gonna feel like hell. And don't get me wrong, sometimes focusing on what you're missing will give you some drive. Cool. But you just gotta balance it out. People are depressed, always focus on what they can't control, always focus on what's missing. And here's the third one they have, third one. And by the way, most of you have one of these, maybe two, not all three. If you have all three, I know you get depressed pretty easily, okay? Third one, do you intend to focus on the future, the present, or the past? Now we all do all three, right? But which one do you tend to put more focus on? The future, the present, or the past? What is it for you? Just say it out loud, quick. Now, in this room, you hear a lot of the future, <laughs> which in my country is called future. And um, most of you came here because you're interested in the future, aren't you? Isn't it why you came here? Yep. That gives you an advantage, doesn't it? Because most people tend to look at the past. If you're focused on the past, since you can't control it, it's going to probably, many times, lower your energy or even depress you. If you focus on the present, you'll probably be happier because the present moment's got more to it. A great business person looks at the future and the present back and forth. A great happy human being tends to live in the present. A miserable human being tends to live in the past. Now, there are some exceptions. If your past is the best part of your life, you might want to spend more time there. But the problem is if you're trying to drive yourself into the future and you're using a rearview mirror called the past, what's going to happen, my friends? Tell me what's going to happen. You're going to crash. You're not going to go backwards, you're going to crash. Make sense? So these are just three. I could give you so many more, and if you decide to come to the seminar, we're not just going to tell you this. We're going to work on it. But I want to at least make you aware of it. So if you catch yourself focusing on what you can't control, go, okay, of course I can't control this, but this is what I am in charge of. This is what I can control. I'm missing this, this. That may be true, but here's what I do have. That will shift your state, which is going to allow you to come up with a better what? Story, which is going to get you to possibly be able to use a better strategy. Here's the second decision you're making right now as you're sitting here. Second decision, as soon as you focus on something, you now have to give it a meaning. What does this mean? What does this mean? So for example, is this problem in your life a problem? Is it God punishing you? Would it feel different than if you said, I have a problem versus God's punishing me? Or is it a challenge? Or what if it was a gift? What if this problem was truly a gift? Would it change how you felt, the state you're in, the strategy you would find, versus if you thought this was a curse? You better believe it. And every moment we're making decisions, once we focus on something, on what it means. Were you just humiliating me? Were you teasing me? Were you challenging me? Whichever one you come up with is going to change a very different relationship between you and I. And it's all what you make up in your head, the meaning you give it. Is this the end or the beginning? If you think this is the end of a relationship, are you going to treat the person the same way as if you think it's the beginning of a relationship? Yes or no? If you think this is the end of your career, the end of opportunities to invest versus the beginning of them, then your whole experience is different. If your economy really were to take a huge explosion and take a huge drop down, it would be one of the greatest opportunities of your life. The fact that it's no longer growing geometrically is an advantage to you. If you understand that. Because by the way, things, you make more money when things burn down than when they grow because they burn down faster. Takes years to build the towers in New York. Burn them down in a couple hours. And if you're smart, you can know how to do well no matter what the economy is doing. That's really the skill set you got to master. But none of that will you get to unless you can come up with an empowering meaning from the situation. That's what makes somebody successful. What makes Oprah, Oprah, is she focused on what she can control, Oprah focused on what was possible, what was in the future, and how she could do something right now to make it happen. Oprah mastered meaning. She didn't say, I'm African American, I'm poor and I'm broke and I have no resources. She goes, I'm a tower of power and I'm going to find a way to make this world change. Those belief systems got her, those states and beliefs, to the strategies that made her Oprah. Make sense? So, the piece here is meaning. What does it mean? And then the third decision you're making right now, and again, when I say you're making it, be honest. You may not be making these decisions consciously. They may be being made in your unconscious just habitually because you're not paying attention. That's why you and I want to change our life. We got to wake up. So we decide what we focus on. We decide what things mean. And then the third decision, we decide what to do, what to do. Do I quit or move forward? Do I go interview this person and figure out what they know? Or do I just go home and have lunch? Do I enroll in this course so I keep growing or do I go home and say, let's just see how I do? Your decisions are going to be affected. Do I stay married or do I get divorced? Do I walk up to that person and say, I want to meet you or do I just stay here and go, maybe it's not the right time? Your decisions of what to do are powerfully shaped by the emotions you're feeling and the emotions came from the meaning. The Tony Robbins Podcast is directed by Tony Robbins and hosted by Anna York. Carrie Song is our executive producer. Tyler Colbertson is our associate producer. Jamie Carvajal and Adriel Delatore are our digital editors. Special thanks to Diane Adcock and Mary Buckheit for their creative review. Copyright Robbins Research International.